Hello and welcome to the Green Industry Podcast with Paul Jamison. This show is all about helping lawn care and landscaping professionals take your business to the next level. Paul is the author of four best-selling books, including Cut That Grass and Make That Cash, and his brand new book, The Lawn Care Advantage, Winning Strategies for a Thriving Landscaping Business, available on Audible and narrated by Mr. Producer. Now, here's your host. Paul Jamison. Hey, what's going on, guys? Welcome to today's podcast episode. We're going to do a part one and part two with my bookkeeper, Megan Coberly, and my certified financial planner, tax planner, tax preparer, all of that, Sheila Chaplin. So, uh, Megan and Sheila, they have separate businesses, but they kind of work hand in hand with their clients. Uh, really helping to make sure that the uh, finances are in order from a bookkeeping perspective, as well as your tax plan is in place that A, you have the money saved to pay your taxes and that all of that is uh, properly uh, taken care of. And so we're going to do an update uh, conversation on the next uh, couple uh, podcasts uh, covering so many topics um, such as those estimated Uh, tax payments, um, setting up payroll uh, for those of you who have employees and how to be compliant with that, um, how to monitor um, those reports. What's the difference between an employee and a contractor? Uh, We'll talk about sales tax um, and about all the rules changes uh, that are out there around meals and entertainment, mileage deductions, um, and, and talk retirement taxes and so much more. So I know this isn't uh, the most sexiest topic, but if you are listening to this podcast, more than likely you are a small business owner and understanding um, your taxes and making sure you're current and uh, your investing plan, your savings plan, your business finances are in order. You know your numbers, you're monitoring your numbers, you're setting aside the proper funds for taxes and retirement and investing and all of that. This is important stuff. So uh, these experts are well more versed in um, this world than me. And so that's why I'm bringing them on to uh, have this conversation. So without further ado, here's part one with Sheila and Megan around the whole world of knowing your numbers. And I personally use uh, Sheila for my tax planning, um, investing, things of that nature. And Megan and her husband, Joey, have been my bookkeepers since I think about 2020. So uh, friends of the show, personal uh, customers of their services. Welcome back to the program, guys. Hey, Paul. Good to see you again. Glad to be here, Paul. All righty. Well, let's dive into uh, several topics today. But uh, first, want to talk about sales tax. Uh, what, what do you all have for us on that front? All right. Well, I think Sheila can probably kick this off. But two general tips. We are um, going to stay in a very, very general format here because sales tax are very uh, particular to where you live. Um, so each county, each state has different laws and nexus um, for when you are supposed to be remitting your sales tax. So first thing you want to find out is do you need to charge a sales tax? And the second thing you'll want to find out is um on what services. So you might, um, in some areas, you might not have any sales tax on some area, in some locations, you might have sales tax, um, only on your commercial properties. Um, and then, uh, as 
Megan and I have been discussing, it's common for people not to understand how they should uh, apply the sales tax charges. Um, you need to know whether it's based on your location or the location where you are providing the services. Um, so that would be the next area that you would want to investigate. Um, and then what was the other one, Megan? What was the other thing we were thinking that people should know? Generally speaking, you want to know whether or not your sales tax is based on accrual or it's based right. on cash. And generally speaking, most states are accrual, but you should right. investigate with your state, with your county, uh, the governances that you are collecting for and make sure you right. know whether or not you are collecting based on an accrual basis or a cash basis. And if you're not sure exactly what that means, ask, ask your bookkeeper. Absolutely. Um, most states most states and counties, it is going to be on a accrual basis, um, which is odd in the tax world. We like cash basis. Yeah, generally. exactly. So. Um, well, I wanted to. Oh, go ahead, Sheila. Was there anything else on in the sales tax world, Paul, that you know of that people generally have questions about? No. <laughs> this is your world, though, not, not mine. <laughs> yeah, well, I think, honestly, sometimes you just not you've either based whether or not you take sales tax or you collect sales tax based off of maybe what a CPA has said or just what your buddies are doing in the, the local area, other landscaping companies, you've sort of watched them. So oftentimes when I'm in a consultation, I'll ask, do you have to collect sales tax from your customers and remit it to the state? And often I get a really solid answer, but often enough, I also get, I don't think so, or this is why I don't do it. And honestly, a quick way to just, be confident in whether or not you should be collecting. Like Sheila said at the beginning, the first thing you should know is whether or not you should be collecting for who and on what would be a call to your secretary of state, or I think maybe even the department of revenue would maybe be a better one. And then mostly it's the department of revenue or, you know, in some States that's the department of taxation. Yeah. Perfect. So get on the state website, the department of revenue, and get on a phone call or go ahead and email them, which is an easy way to get in contact with them as well. And ask specifically about the services you provide, because some states, she could or could not agree, but I think even some states base it off of how you invoice sometimes, which will determine whether or not, you know, you're the final user of materials or not. All of that is just very specific to your locality and who you're, what you're collecting on. So be sure to call, tell them exactly what you provide, what services you provide, and whether or not you should be collecting sales tax. And then, like we said, two further questions to ask would be whether or not to collect on accrual or cash basis, and then whether or not you need to collect on where your business is located or where you're providing your services. Correct. You, uh, that's important because in some areas it is based on uh, like if you're living in Arkansas, for example, you're going to be charging wherever you're you're going to provide that service. If you're in Ohio, it's actually based on where your um, your office is located, which for most is going to be at you know, their home office. Awesome. So if you're providing uh, services in the county next to you, then it doesn't really matter in Ohio, but it would matter in, in Arkansas. Just as an example. Right. Big difference whenever you're collecting. It is. Um, and, you know, I find that, you know, and I've said this many times, uh, but I find that, you know, if you call your Department of Revenue in some states, it's Department of Taxation um, and you ask 
you know, they're going to be friendly about. Absolutely. I've done it several times. And and emails, you're right, Megan, though, emails work great Mm -hmm. um, because that's, you know, they can, you can send it whenever you're thinking about it. They can answer it whenever they get to it. So, yeah, that's typically um, my mode for getting those answers. But just to reiterate, please don't, you know, please don't just say, <laughs> take take the word of of your your neighbors or your you know somebody that doesn't live in the same area that you do. It's really important that you understand what the the rules are in your municipality, in your county, in your state. Or ask your ask your CPAs or your mm-hmm. tax preparers. They often know. Fantastic. Well, <clears throat> next I want to talk about something that. By the time this podcast goes live, uh, probably has come and gone the the September 15th estimated tax payment. But mm-hmm. Sheila, specifically, I want you to explain. We have so many guys that are in their first year of the lawn care business, or mm-hmm. they might have a full-time job and they're thinking about getting into this full-time. And I know that's a, a common mistake um, that so many folks have made in the past of not fully understanding uh, quarterly estimated tax payments and, and how that works and who it's who needs to be paying those and things of that nature. So can you kind of explain a little bit about those estimated quarterly taxes and uh, your advice to, to how to stay uh, current with those? So the, the best advice I can give you is if you don't have estimated tax payments um, that you have discussed and been provided to you by your tax preparer, um, then you'll want to send at least 15.3% of your net income, which is the exact amount of your um, self-employment tax, you'll want to at least capture that. As to whether you're required to send that in depends on the age of your business. Um, If you have been in business for more than one year, hopefully your tax preparer has helped you by providing you with what your estimated tax obligations are, um, which is really 110% of the previous tax shares liability. But, you know, to keep it simple, if you do not have those estimates, um, then you can just calculate 15.3%, but that is going to be on your net income, your self-employment income, not your total income. Right. And it's important to remember that net income figure is pre-tax. So just when you see that profit figure, you should know you've got to pay taxes on that. Yes. And it's not, it's not to the the penny that she's talking about. The 15.3 is just an estimate. It is an estimate um, because that is only your self-employment tax. That does not include the actual income tax that you're going to owe on that. But, you know, just to get you close to, to, so that you're not facing this huge bill in April, that's the best advice I can give for somebody starting out. If you've been in business for a while, hopefully you're working with a professional that's provided you with those estimated tax payments. Now you still need to monitor them because if you're, especially if you're a growing business or rapidly growing. And many of them do within the first three, four years of lawn care. It's, it's rapid growth. Um, So, you know, you're, but you're looking at net income. So in conjunction with, you know, your bookkeeper and your tax professional, then you should be able to get pretty close. You just have a conversation. I mean, Megan and I do, you know, what's, what's the P&L look like versus what it looked like last year. 
Um, so are we, are we going to be way off or are we going to be about the same? Um, right. And for and, our clients, we'll do that in November so that we just, I mean, we've met in May together, me and Sheila with our clients, our shared clients, and then we'll do that in November so that we have that continuous conversation. Because like she said, there's oftentimes quite a bit of growth in those first few years. Yeah. I mean, and, you know, and luckily uh, I can report that the, the, the May meetings went well enough that people mm-hmm. are understanding how to pull their their uh, reports and we can have really nice conversations about what's actually going on inside the business and, and prepare for, um, you know, for the rest of the year. So I've had some recent conversations where, you know, we're, we're looking at, at maybe upping those uh, or increasing the amounts of, of estimated tax payments. Now, I mean, from an, from an obligation standpoint, you're only obligated to pay what was based on last year's tax liability. But, um, you know, if you really want to be managing your business well, you need to go beyond what your your obligations are and really um, understand what your true tax liability is. Now, Sheila, it works better than that way. I often hear the 110 percent. Is there actually a figure with the IRS about, you know, what you paid in last year plus another 10 percent for good graces? Yeah, it's, it's basically whenever you look at how we calculate tax um estimated tax payments going forward, it's basically 110% of the previous year's tax liability. That's the way IRS kind of, uh, they expect growth out of your business. Um, You know, now if you're in a year where um, you're not growing, um, maybe, or, or maybe it's a, it's a heavy repair or equipment purchase year, um, you know, business changes, their cycles, certainly, um, you know, worst case scenario, you overpay. Um, and that, in my opinion, that's the best case scenario because you're, guess what? Your first quarterly payment for estimated taxes for the next year is due the same day that your your taxes are due for the previous year. So if you overpay, then you just apply that to, to your next um, estimated tax payment. So where can they manage these payments, Sheila? In general, I I always um, like for all of my clients, at least, to have an EFTPS.gov account, which is um, the electronic filing system for making tax payments. Um, if you do not have an EFTPS account, then you can go to IRS.gov forward slash pay and log into your account make payments there. Um, you can actually make payments without even logging into your account. You can make a one-time payment. I do suggest, you know, just quick tip. I do suggest that you always do that with your bank account information. Do it as an ACH transfer as opposed to paying with a credit card. You pay with a credit card, then they pass on those fees to you. And that can be quite a, an, an expense on top of the estimated payment. So I would do it with your bank account. And the main difference between EFTPS and just going to that website, paying with your bank account would be one can be scheduled for you so that you don't have to remember it. And one right. is manual, correct? Correct. So the IRS.gov, um, which is, you know, like I said, you can use that, um, but you cannot set up future payments. You can only pay as you go. And um, 
which, you know, is fine. But the EFTPS account, yes, you can go in there. And generally uh, with my clients, I will set up, you know, when we do our debrief after tax season, uh, we'll go in and set up all the payments for the for the upcoming year. Say goodbye to disorganized and inefficient business management. Upgrade to Jobber, the field service management software. Streamline every aspect of your business from quoting to invoicing. Impress your customers and increase your productivity. Start your journey to success with Jobber now at getjobber.com forward slash Paul. Again, that's getjobber.com forward slash Paul. Mr. Producer here, bringing you some exciting news. The Equip Exposition is celebrating its 40th anniversary in Louisville, Kentucky, October 17th through the 20th. That is definitely the place to be. And if we got a special deal for you, use the code PAUL for an incredible 50% off your tickets. Dive into the show notes, grab that link, and secure your spot. Are you tired of struggling to explain price increases to your clients? Look no further. The Green Industry Podcast has got you covered with our price increase letter template. Simply download, customize, and effectively communicate your price adjustments with ease. Visit greenindustrypodcast.com today and take control of your pricing strategy. Sounds good. And I'm not that I'm the expert on this. Y'all are, but uh, <laughs> I've, you know, paid them over the years. It's September 15th, usually less it ends on like a weekend. Then it's um, January 15th, April 15th and June 15th, which makes no sense. Cause I would space them out equally, <laughs> but there's different <laughs> gaps in between how many months between payments. I- for whatever reason, I believe, I mean, I, I think there's, you know, the cheeky response would be they're giving you Christmas off. I, I don't think that's probably the case. I think they're probably realizing that people have to get through the whole year to know what potentially they might need to increase that last mm-hmm. um, estimated tax payment. And you can't do that until your books are closed. So unfortunately, this year, um, the 15th falls on a weekend, January 15th falls on a weekend. So you have to go the Friday before that. I think it's the 13th, maybe. Um, Anyway, um, usually it's the day after. um, But for that January payment, for whatever reason, it's early this year. And that third quarter one seems early. Yeah. September, September 15th, October 15th. Well, but it, they're all weird. I mean, I the first so. one, the first one is, is yeah, April. April. And then you've got two months later, you've got the, the next one too. So it's huh. odd. They're all strange in my book, but you know, <laughs> yeah. the, the reality is, is they want you to make sure that, that it's a pay as you go, pay your yeah. taxes as you go. When you're a W-2 employee, your employer's handling all this for you. They're just taking those taxes out without you know you don't you don't get to choose what right. date what date you pay you have to pay whenever you're given the money so with um you know for small business owners and remember estimated tax payment in general that is going to be for somebody who is filing on a schedule c um which is on your 1040 um you know whenever you move into to different entity types you're going to be paying taxes on payroll yeah yourself so just depends on on how you're filing your taxes. Yeah, good good differentiation there for you know the majority of the listeners here because there is a difference once you have those payroll taxes on yourself. There is. There is indeed. 
you guys want to talk about payroll and, and getting that set up and compliant and all of, all yeah. of that world? That's a good launch, especially oh, yeah. uh, recently. Mm-hmm. Some of our <laughs> mutual clients, we, we've been learning a lot, which is good. Um, so Shayla, you want to share a little bit of, you know, being compliant, but also making sure even though someone else might be handling it, you know, they know what forms to be able to, to be able to access and or save. Yeah, I, you know, I believe that, that you know, that we've talked about the three of us have talked about payroll providers in the past. And, I, you know, I'm, I'm not going to be partial to, to one or the other. I'm going to tell you to to know what your system is and, and right. to understand that in general, if you and this is my opinion about this, if you're hiring um, or if you're paying for a payroll provider service, then you need to make sure that what I'm saying is correct and that the, you know, the services that are actually being uh, provided by that provider are, you know, on par with what we're talking about. But in general, they're going to be providing um, you with the ability for you to go in, set up, you go in and put your hours, um, or maybe it's a bonus payment here or there, some, you know, uh, other niceties throughout the year. But in general, you're going to be going in there and putting in the hours and they're going to give you, they're going to spit out this figure that says, hey, this is how much this person's getting paid. You can either set it up on direct deposit for that that check to get automatically deposited into your employee's account, or you can pay them and then go back in and, um, you know, and put your, your check number in there. However you're doing it, um, that's not the end of your responsibilities mm-hmm. with, with payroll. Um, so you're going to have to go in and monitor, but they will be filing and paying your employment taxes for you. So make sure that that's part of the service that you're that you're paying for, that they're going to pay for it. And then um, it's your responsibility, in my opinion. And I have found out, um, unfortunately, the hard way with some clients is that they're not actually they put a little too much trust in that payroll company. Definitely need to go in there at least on a quarterly basis. You need to download that 941 that they have sent to federal government. And then there's also the state component of that. In most states, it's a 941 under the state's uh, letters, you know, the, an, an SC or a, a GA or whatever, 941. Right. Um, so you'll, you'll want to make sure that you go in, you download that, but then working with your, your bookkeeper, um, you would also want to make sure that those deposits were actually um, withdrawn from your your bank account and paid to the to the different taxing authorities. Yes, so this um, this one trips a lot of you know newer not I don't know just maybe younger in business where you know taxes is all of a sudden something that you've really got to hone in on because it used to be your employer took care of a lot of it for you, and so as the employer you are responsible for remitting that money to the appropriate entities, whether that's the IRS or whether that's your state entity, your local entity even. And oftentimes you are paying for that service with your payroll company. But to reiterate, Sheila, you want to make sure you are either quarterly, maybe even half a year or sooner. Well, 941s are quarterly. So at least quarterly, you are downloading 941s 
for both the, the federal government and for your state and making sure that those those have been paid um, because it is your responsibility, even though even though oftentimes you are paying for whoever your tax, uh, whoever your payroll provider is to remit those for you. It's still your responsibility. And they even, I think when you sign up for a payroll provider, they are having you sign a paper that says you are the one that is finally responsible. Um, and so you want to make sure that, that is all being remitted correctly. And as the bookkeeper, I do see the back end of that. Now I don't manage that on a monthly basis as it would be like I'm saying for the employer to do where you download those 941s. Um, because if I catch it, it's probably going to be a little bit in the future, but I do see the back end of that. And it's, it's just not fun when all of a sudden you've got tax payments, you don't know why they're being paid, so on and so forth. So, um, and oftentimes I'll, you know, I'll see these payments to the state. I'll see these payments to the federal government and my clients just have no idea why, where, how they just know their payroll providers taking care of it. So a little too much trust, I think, like Sheila said in the payroll providers. And so there's, there's a way to make sure that that's all being taken care of on a quarterly basis. So, yeah, I, I think, you know, a lot of this goes back to the initial setup. Yeah. Um, and just a, a few quick tips on that. There, first of all, make sure your employees have, have an application that you have a W-4 completed and signed by the employee, that you keep those in your records. Um, also, a little side tip, uh, Make sure your employee that you as an employer, as a responsible employer, make sure you have an emergency contact listed for those those employees on that application. Um, but you want to make sure that you keep those up to date as well. Um, in some states, there is a separate W-4 for the actual state that would look a little bit different than the federal government one. Um, but just make sure you you have the appropriate uh withholding uh, information for each employee. And then I would also please make sure that you have completed with your payroll provider um, all of the necessary steps to make sure that all of your information as the employer, your company information is correct, which means that you have a federal EIN or employee employer identification number. You're going to need a state identification number. And also understand that in most states, that number is not the same as your state unemployment office. Yeah. Um, so, you know, that could be like here in South Carolina, that's the Department of Workforce Development. Um, you know, in California is the Employment Development Department. You know, it might be the Department of Labor if you're in Connecticut. So just make sure that you understand who you need to pay your unemployment taxes to. Um, and you also need to understand what your unemployment rate is that is issued by the state. Um, there are defaults, but yours could be lower or higher depending on um, what your experience rating is with your department of, of labor, unemployment or whatever the department is in your state. So just make sure that you understand that you need, there's a lot that you have to do at the beginning of this Yes. Um, to make sure that it's all set up correctly. Once it's set up correctly, 
as long as, you know, you do your due diligence every once in a while to go in there and monitor what's going on, you won't have any responsibilities because that's what you're paying the payroll provider. for. Right. Um, and each of each of these places that Sheila's talking about where you're going to get your FEIN or your state ID and even, you know, a separate number for your unemployment. You know, we talk a little somberly about it, but these are some of the hiccups that we see our businesses experiencing and it just detracts from their day. And obviously, like she said, once you've got that set up and you've, you know, you've got some records that just tell you what's my FEIN, what's my unemployment number, what's my state ID number for the state. Once you've got all that set up, then yeah, once you, when you're moving forward, it's very little maintenance, but that setup is so important. And we see oftentimes too much of that setup gets put in the hands of one, maybe someone like a CPA or a tax repair or a small payroll company. And the business owner really doesn't know what their ID numbers are. They don't know what their logins for each state would be so that if they did want to take the payroll away from the CPA or from that small payroll provider, they can see records of what they've paid to the state. And so having, you know, a small folder or, you know, something online in the cloud where you've got those ID numbers, you know, those logins and they aren't solely logins to your payroll provider. You know, oftentimes CPAs can create a login that will sync up with your state ID because, you know, states understand that you may not be doing your payroll for yourself. You might have a representative doing it for you. And so making sure that you have your own logins to that, where you can have access in the case of that needing to be your responsibility at some point. So that setup, I'm just highlighting what Sheila said, very key, will save you a lot of headaches. If you understand what all that looks like and entails for your state, and then um, very little maintenance moving forward. And with the help of a bookkeeper, like I said, we can both help to maintain making sure that taxes are being paid um, or that we're seeing the payments being made, I should say, and the deposits coming up. Well, guys, I hope you're taking knowing your number serious in your business. And we're going to have Megan and Sheila back on tomorrow's program for part two of this conversation. They're just warming up and uh, they, they love uh, talking all this stuff. So I'm just kind of like a fly on the wall trying to retain as much of this information as possible. But we're going to put their information in the show notes if you want to connect with Megan for your bookkeeping services, uh, Sheila for your tax preparing and, and planning, investing, things of that nature. She's a a CFP certified financial planner. And also I have the links to Jobber. See, I have everything running as an orchestra. So I send out my invoices, uh, run all of that through the CRM Jobber. And Jobber connects with QuickBooks, which I also use. Uh, I've used QuickBooks online since I think like, well, I used to use, I think the desktop version, then I switched to online. But I've been using that basically since day one. Um, and then that all syncs to uh, Jobber, which syncs to all my bank accounts. So it's all uniform together. And uh, I stay current with all of that, which really makes things easy for my bookkeepers, Megan and Joey. So um, if you need help setting all of that up, um, the link to Jobber, the CRM is in today's show notes. Uh, I think Mr. Producer will have the link to QuickBooks online down there. And of course, the contact information for Megan and Joey, um, that's her husband, and then Sheila Chaplin as well. So I'm, I'm giving you my uh, blueprint of what I personally use. And I have all of that just super easy connected. Um, QuickBooks Online, I have the app. So if I ever need to take a receipt of something when I'm out on the road or things of that nature, I'll snap a little receipt and then everything 
um, that comes in through emails that are received. I just forward them to the email address that Megan has set up for me in QuickBooks Online. So like everything's documented, everything's accounted for, and it makes their world um, very, very easy to organize all of that. And then my favorite meeting is uh, once a week, Megan and, and her husband, Joey, and I, my, not once a week, once a month, we have our Know Your Numbers meeting where they present to me my profit and loss statement from the previous month, my statement of cash flows, my balance sheet, and they give their opinion on, on the health of my business. And we talk about future uh, financial moves, um, whether it's investing, whether it's uh, acquiring um, something, whether it's a, a, a new team member, we, we talk through all of that and they help me make sound financial decisions based on um, the, the facts and the realities of, of how my business is performing. And so uh, it's a great, great, great combination. And then, and then uh, throwing Sheila in the mix for um, making sure all the taxes are um, saved for properly filed, paid, uh, investing, uh, things of that nature. Um, oh, amazing team. So that's who I use. And all that information is in the show notes if you're trying to get on top of knowing your numbers and uh, hiring the right team, the right CRM, the right accounting software, all of that stuff. Um, that's that's my playbook. So hope hope you enjoy this uh, nerdy episode about knowing your numbers. Um, it's kind of like if you you know if you want to win at business, uh, these are the kind of things that even if it's not our cup of tea, um, that we learn that we we understand what's going on um, underneath the hood. Uh, financially uh, with our businesses. So thanks for listening and hope to catch you on the next episode. You need to increase your prices to earn more, but you better do it correctly or your customers will become unhappy. You want to discover the proven method to easily increase your prices? I've assembled the price increase letter template. It's a plug and play document that will allow you to inform your customers in the correct way so that they understand why and will gladly accept your price increase. You can pick up the price increase letter template today at the Resource Center at thegreenindustrypodcast.com. Hey, it's Marty, producer of the Green Industry Podcast. This episode is over, but check the episode notes for links to products and services that you heard about during the episode. And thanks for listening.